You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon, and I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Cruzan McCalligan. Cruz, how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Yes. You're looking bright and very summery today. Looking yes, thank lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's just because it's summer. Summer. <laughs> <laughs> with the beautiful face mask. Um, I would direct our listeners to go to Facebook, but we're still sorting it out. But uh, we will be on Facebook in about a minute's time. So do join us there uh, if you can uh, this afternoon. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. And I'm just holding off some time before you talk about the topic because, Cruz, we're so close. We're so close. We're and, so close. And, and I think we are live. Live yes. on Facebook. You can wave. I can wave. Hello. Yes. Hello, hello. Okay, so what are we talking about this afternoon, Cruzy? We're talking about picnics. Yay. Picnics. Picnics. Very summery as well. Yes, it is very summery. You don't, think, yeah, you just, don't have winter picnics, do you? It's, I think you can. In fact, in Hong Kong, I would prefer a winter picnic <laughs> sometimes, right, I think. Yes. Um, but yes, in, in keeping with my mum-dimensional topics, <laughs> <laughs> a picnic is obviously something that we do quite often with children. Just remind our listeners, mum-dimensional. Mum-dimensional what, what it is, it, it's yeah. just um, the way that I currently have to live in my life because I've chosen to parent. <laughs> anyway, the point is, picnic. Um, I love picnics and I find that um, like almost if I remember back in my life I have so many wonderful memories of picnics like with my own family when I was a child and like not fancy picnics like not thinking like just the idea of going outside with people you care about friends and family and just eating on a on a mat some sandwiches is a for some reason it's just so wholesome and delightful it's and a then, luxury yeah you know? totally and then and then you get to like I get you know, you get into your late teens and it seems less cool, but, you know, I guess, you know, like a bag of McDonald's and like a surly expression still counts as a picnic if you're doing it outside. And then, you know, and then you get to like your 20s, I guess. And I, you know, again, I, I'm the sort of person who likes good, wholesome fun. And you try and have a picnic with friends and there's always, and like in Hong Kong, it's like, you know, you go, okay, we're going to have a picnic. And there's always like the one guy who shows up and like everyone's going to bring something, right? That's what you do at a picnic. You all bring something to share, like some fruit or a bag of crisps or some bread or some cheese or something. And then there's always like one dude who just shows up with like a plastic bag of Asahi beers, like th like an awkward number, like three or four Asahi beers and then like Calbee potato chips. You know exactly which dude I mean. There's always a dude that does that. And you're like, I know exactly exactly what this guy's going to bring to this picnic. <laughs> Sometimes you end up marrying that dude. I'm just, I'm pretty sure I've seen Andy Good bring that. I'm like, what, what? You're like, come on, a little bit more thought than the 7-Eleven the, the around the corner. Anyway, but I just think picnics are so delightful. And so I wanted to talk to them about them today a little bit because um, I've just found a renewed... Um, respect for them lately as you know going out with children because it doesn't matter if they make a mess so it doesn't matter where the crumbs go it's a, so there's something about picnics that I just find really delightful um, and of course like you know what in with COVID the picnic is really a very special thing now it's eating outdoors it can be socially distanced you can meet another family and we did this during COVID socially distanced you have your picnic mat with your group of four and two 1.5 to 2 metres away, you have your friend's picnic mat with their group of four. And you naturally have that spacing You naturally anyway. have that spacing outdoors. So I think it's a positive thing to think about. So picnics. Um, 
W. Somerset Moham's view, uh, this was a quote from him. He said, there are very, there are few things so pleasant as a picnic lunch. And I think that is really, really true. Um, even though, of course, um, you know, there's things like ants and bees and wasps and mosquitoes and heat and all those other things. Um, they are the epitome of innocent pastoral delight, right? A picnic is just a delight. When someone says, would you like to go for a picnic? Like, I, my heart flutters. I just find it such a delightful concept. Um, but the origins of the word picnic come from sort of, they're a bit of a mystery. Um, there's the, a French root of the word might derive from the verb, and I'm terrible at speaking French, uh, pique, to peck or to pick, and the noun nique, which means a small amount or nothing whatsoever. So just picking at something, picnic. Um, so that's where they think the word picnic came from. Yeah, um, right. but it does sound quite French, it, picnic. It does. So, so this is where, it, so we, we do see French origins to picnic. Um, and originally, actually, in 1649, there was a burlesque satire on the perceived um, hypocrisy of, this is very dense political stuff, but just hold on, bear with me for a little bit of history lesson. There was a burlesque satire on, uh, which was about the insurrection against French absolutism. I told you it's a bit heavy, okay? Anyway, long, that sounds very heavy, but basically the main character in this little satire was Picnic, who was a hero, but like his friends, he was also a glutton who guzzled things, um, and this was in very stark contrast to the food shortages that were caused by the rebellion that he was leading. So it was like a very political kind of satire, um, and his name was ironic, and it probably referred to an excessively large or lavish meal enjoyed at other people's expense okay so that's what that was so the origins of a picnic are not what they are today the origins of a picnic were quite opulent and indulgent actually it was something that the french aristocracy kind of did it was a pastime of them in, in sort of the 18th century they were indoors a picnic was indoors they were held in in a home or in a hired room and they were very uh, very different to today attendees were still required to contribute um but you know they bring a dish or a drink um or they pay for a share of the cost and they were very much associated with kind of intellectual refinement you'd get all these interesting people together in a room and basically like have like a hot pot um potluck sorry not hot pot potluck like a potluck meal but it would be a picnic and it would be all very you'd be trying to outdo everybody and as they kind of got a bit larger and stuff um these gatherings would they'd, they'd have music they'd have dance and then picnic picnic became sort of synonymous with like a party or a ball um and so they had this kind of like really fascinating idea now um However, they were very adaptable. That's the thing about a picnic. It is adaptable. And when the first restaurants appeared, um, what happened was uh, picnics, um, the... They, they kind of created this slightly different vibe because they're like, well, we don't really need to do this thing where we all come together now because we can all go out to a restaurant to eat. Um, and the French Revolution kind of changed everything. So fearing for their lives, uh, most aristotic, uh, arist aristocratic picnickers fled abroad. They left France. So these people who were having these lavish indoor picnics left. Some went to Austria, some went to Prussia, some went to America, but the majority headed to Britain, um, primarily London, where they were often short of money. So they couldn't really have the life that they'd had before with these lavish indoor picnics. So they did their best to maintain their old way of life. Um, and in doing so, they introduced the picnic to England, right? So this, this led Probably to... Probably had, had it outdoors as well. Because exactly they couldn't right. have any you know, exactly. fancy Exactly, they didn't have setting. their fancy hired rooms. Um, and so this was... Um, 
Basically, this was uh, quite a short-lived thing, but in London, the picnic became less refined and more raucous. And this was apparently due to a group of about 200 wealthy young Francophiles who, um, so, you know, people who love France and everything French, who in late 1801 founded the Picnic Society. So they held these in, like, <laughs> hired rooms in Tottenham Street in London, um, and their gatherings were, like, self-consciously extravagant. So they kind of took this idea initially. They were like, oh, this is what... you you know like this is what you french aristocrats do we're going to try it too and they everyone have to bring a dish and six bottles of wine so it's a six little bit bottles like, of six wine. bottles of wine and um basically everyone tried to outdo the other in terms of lavishness and expense and then after dinner there was singing and dancing and gambling and then there was a play there would be a play performed right so they kind of took it on board but made it a bit rowdier a bit more over the top and the productions were pretty amateurish because it wasn't like a professional theater setting and the stage would be small and there was no orchestra pit and the actors weren't professionals and all that sort of stuff. But they were really, really, really popular. And so before long, um, it was like there was a, a man called Richard Brinsley Sheridan who was the owner of the Drury Lane Theatre. He was getting really frustrated because he was losing business as a theatre owner to these picnic parties because people just wanted to go there. So um, he was also a journalist and a politician and he tried to have picnics shut down. Oh. Like, we will not <laughs> picnic indoors. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's really fascinating. So they had this kind of idea. Now, the second development was um, was about the same amount of time that this theatre owner was like, this is terrible, they're ruining my business, these people having these big parties, was that picnics were starting to be taken up by what we have as the emergent middle class, and they were moving outdoors. And we don't actually really know why they started to move outdoors, but the most likely explanation is that the socially aspirational um, aspirational simply uh, applied a fashionable French word to a pre-existing practice. So they were probably already eating outdoors, but then they found this nice word, a picnic, we're going to have a picnic, um, and then just started kind of using it kind of in tongue-in-cheek way. Um, and then, of course, the result of this was that picnicking stopped being associated with music and dancing and parties and started to become... Uh, just a simple meal where everyone was invited to, to be together. And of course, that they it was quite genteel and it kind of had this ideal of the, the countryside. It was very innocent, it was very wholesome, it was very nice. So that's really, really fascinating in that way. Um, but of course, um, in the decades that followed, the outdoor picnic found its way to the US. And as it was expected, um, it remained a kind of a genteel pursuit of urban middle classes, probably just because recreation tends to be something that is reserved for people who have enough money and enough time. Um, so, so unlike... Um, so unlike in England, it was associated more with a kind of, um, you know, it was more sort of childlike simplicity. Um, and this was sort of tinged with kind of innocence. This idea of a picnic is a very innocent, nice thing. I mean, we don't think about picnics as being raucous, boozy affairs now, um, but that was what they kind of started as. So outdoor picnics um, were apparently not as well received elsewhere though so this is what was happening in the US and kind of in the um, in England and Britain um, but the restoration of the French monarchy meant that um, picnicking returned to France and the indoor picnicking returned to France and things like that um, but of course uh, eventually outdoor picnics did gain some ground um, and people did start having these sort of fancy little um, these lovely little picnics outside as well um, because yeah and then of course we have the picnic basket which is like in itself a cultural icon um, but this was apparently not until the early um, 20th century so it was quite a so it's quite not a, French it's not it's no well they say it, it, no they don't really say it was 
kind of came from France. What they actually think happened that was in England, the development of new modes of transportation, like trains and bicycles and motor cars. Ah, yes. Right, so this meant that this accelerated social change and... A little basket in front of the bike. Absolutely. And and now you had people who lived in cities, but they actually had the, the ability to get to the countryside. Okay, so they could, in a far more sort of like higher populations than they would have before like escape to the countryside so that kind of meant that you could then put some things in your picnic basket and then head out to the countryside for the day or for the weekend and you put all your food in your picnic basket i um, wonder if you can fit the six bottles of wine there just <laughs> asking for <laughs> a friend not if, you, <laughs> if you're on your bicycle with six bottles of I wine know. <laughs> yeah you'd probably be pulled over today wouldn't you really <laughs> anyway um but yeah so so it, before long the popularity of this picnic basket became such that it started being produced for mass market and the contents were more standardized um and interestingly um the the novel wind in the willows written by kenneth graham in 1908 with the wind in the willows <laughs> and the birds in the sky and the bright sun to warm us. Anyway, I remember that beautiful, song. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, but fantastic. Well, see, that was very reflective of this shift. You just captured exactly what the essence of a picnic is. And sort of like, um, so basically in The Wind in the Willows, after messing around in boats all morning, Mole begins to get hungry and can't help asking Ratty what is in the wicker luncheon basket stowed beneath the seat. And Ratty replies, there's cold chicken inside it. And then he says, cold tongue, cold ham cold beef pickled gherkin salad french rolls crescent sandwiches spotted meat ginger beer lemonade soda water and mole says oh stop stop this is too much and rat says do you really think so it's only what i always take on these little excursions and the other animals are always telling me that i'm a mean beast and cut it very fine but mole didn't hear a word he was saying enchanted by the feast which lay ahead and intoxicated with the sparkle of the river he trailed a paw in the water and lost himself in daydreams and that's exactly what a picnic about it's that kind of idea of like oh how delightful we're gonna have a little feast we're having a nice time on a boat i'm gonna sit down on a map we're gonna open the basket so it like that book was a cultural icon um because you know that that created that sense and and picnics have continued to undergo further change as the result of um you know, uh, new technology, quickening pace of globalization. So now we have things like olives and focaccia and white wine, you know, maybe not crest sandwiches and cold tongue and ginger beer. But the idea is the same thing, that we have this um, wonderful, this basket of the foods that are comforting and fun to eat outside, right? That's There's such a symbolism in picnic. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's quite beautiful. Um, so that's kind of where we are with picnics. I've got lots of facts about picnics, too. The average person picnics at least three times a year, which is 94 million picnics per year. Wow. I think there's a difference between like alfresco dining and picnicking. Yeah. I think picnicking, you have to have like shoved everything into a bag or a basket and then put it somewhere yeah. outdoors, right? Like on a mat. Because these days you can also have a picnic on the beach, for yes, example. Exactly. And, and I've done that before. Yes. It's, yeah. Delightful. It, it is. <laughs> um, bit sandy though according yeah exactly my uh, my husband did eat a leftover sandwich after our recent picnic on the beach and it was quite crunchy (laughs) (laughs) and we realized that our our daughter would have been very sneaky with putting that back into the the container once she dropped it Um, (laughs) we've all been there with a crunchy sandwich anyway um According to research done in 2013, the average family spends £26 per picnic, so like 260 Hong Kong dollars, which is a lot of money, I think, for a picnic. But actually, 
sounds about right. It sounds about right. If you're buying cheese or you know some cold cuts, and it's nice stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Like because the thing is with a picnic, it's not always like you don't want it always to be little plastic packets, right? There's a wholesomeness to it where you want to like have bread you can tear with your hands or something. There's like a lot of like romance goes into this. It never works out that way, but um, you know, usually it's like Nutella sandwiches on white bread to keep people quiet. But whatever it is, anyway. Um. Uh, so, of course, um, interestingly, the phrase no picnic um, to describe something that's been difficult, like, oh, that was no picnic, has dates back to 1884. It's quite an old turn of phrase. I'm a real sucker for these. I use those kinds of turn of phrase all the time. Um, the most popular picnic snack 50 years ago was the humble cheese sandwich. Today, it is apparently a bag of crisps. They did a survey. That's what it came out to be. Probably Calbee. Um, Pardon? Probably, Probably in Hong Kong, Calbee chips, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so they say that, um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. A lot of countries have different kinds of picnic um, picnic traditions as well. Um, for example, in Japan, cherry blossom season, which announces spring's arrival. Um, you know, people uh, have cherry blossom viewing picnics as part of that. Um, and so they pe- pick warm days to sit underneath the sakura blooms and, and have delicious homemade food in that kind of idea. Um, in Argentina, um, uh, where you know most of the Northern Hemisphere have white Christmases, in Argentina you don't, they would have outdoor Christmas picnics. So this could often happen in beaches or on home on patios and things like that. Um, in Great Britain, um, the picnic tradition is the Scotch egg, which is so funny because I always think it sounds more delicious than I'm going than I've actually found it when I've had a Scotch egg. Yeah, because Scotch eggs for some of our listeners who don't know it, it's kind of like a boiled egg, but it's sort of like in a in a deep fried yeah, coating. Yeah, it's like it's like a hard boiled egg. And then, I mean, I, I only yeah. know this from cultural references. Um, hard boiled egg, and then I think it's wrapped in sausage meat, and then uh, it's deep fried. Yeah, that's so, it. like, it sounds delicious, but I think by the time it's been in a picnic basket in Hong Kong, it's quite thought, cold. It's cold and a bit. Yeah. Anyway, it's probably still delicious. Don't knock until you tried it, right? I, I used to work in a pub in the UK uh, back in the uni days, and every Sunday, the the landlord, so to speak, of the pub would used to put um, scotched eggs and sausages and some deep fried. Uh, white bait um, oh sure yeah yeah um and of course the peanuts uh, uh, just along the bar and so people would just snack on the she snacks sounds delightful. yeah like a like indoor picnic <laughs> delightful but yeah so the scotch egg is quite a strong british picnic tradition um but uh but we've seen Britain have uh, picnics all the way back to the Middle Ages when royalty would e- uh, eat outside because they were hunting. So they kind of had to have a picnic because they didn't have anywhere, anywhere to eat while they were doing horrible things. But um, the most iconic picnic food is the Scotch egg. So they kind of say that. Fortnum and Mason, the British department store, claim that they created it. Oh. Which is an interesting claim to fame. But, you know, it's cool. Whatever works for you. Um, uh, in Germany picnics aren't just for eating there are usually games germans take it a step further by disrobing um, so apparently it's not unusual for picnic like activities like a strip yes it's not unusual for picnic activities like a friendly frisbee toss or soccer or something like that to be done naked um oh. so apparently this is a very common thing and nudity is more of a cultural norm oh. even when you have a picnic at a public park which i think would sound a little bit unappetizing depending on your company but who knows um I have to. I can't say that joke on air. <laughs> Tell me later. Yeah. Um, in New Zealand, tea became something that was at picnics. I thought this would have come from the UK, but apparently it's a kind of a New Zealand thing. So um, New Zealanders have historically enjoyed outdoor meals um, with things like sandwiches and pies. That's kind of their 
their bag. Um, but during the 19th century, picnics mimicked barbecues with like whole roast oxen and baked potatoes on fire pits. And afternoon tea was a common everyday staple that needed to be included. So they prepared it in a billy. So a metal can with a wire handle, probably similar to Australia. Yes. And after the invention of thermos, tea would arrive at picnic sites pre-prepared and it remains a common picnicking beverage. And I have like really really fond memories of having picnics with my family when I was a kid and mum having like a thermos of tea or hot chocolate and I remember the thermos that we had I think she probably still has it because <laughs> it was so sentimental I was like you can't throw that away I'm it's inheriting like, it you can't I want it anyway so that's quite interesting I um there's a lot of other um interesting um speaking of New Zealand and Australia our favorite Aussie has joined us on Facebook Dave good afternoon to you and he says good afternoon to everyone from Melbourne and he also echoes that point about six bottles of wine and he also adds <laughs> yes we have sandwiches without crusts which is quite uh, which is quite uncommon I mean it's it's common in Hong Kong because we actually sell breadless uh, sorry crustless bread, bread yeah uh, is it quite common in Australia I, I, don't, I don't know, know. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the crust. Mind you, though, I have young children, so that's the only part of the sandwich I'm allowed to yeah. eat, the part that they don't, right? So like, the that's luxury, my favourite bit. The luxury that we grew yeah. up in in Hong Kong. Um, so Turkey. Turkey has a, a reputation for superb picnics, and yes. this could have to do with the country has thousands of picnic grounds open to the public, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Many Turkish families bring along cushions and rugs and furniture and set up these picnicking spots with all this sort of stuff. And um, by Turkey night, the country. I thought you meant Turkey the, the bird. <laughs> I thought, no, I was talking about the country. Yeah. Sorry. But I guess like if you're having a post-Thanksgiving, post-Christmas picnic, Sandwiches, turkey's going to be yep. on the menu, for sure. Um, apparently in Brazil and Uruguay, sharing a gourd of yerba, yerba mate, yerba mate tea is very um, common practice. So that's the kind of thing people will have at their picnics. Um, and in Greece, kite flying is a really important thing. Um, so a lot of the, apparently people go and they have their picnic, they'll have mussels and octopus and unleavened bread, which sounds all very exotic and delightful and then afterwards families fly large colorful kites to celebrate um, the beginning of spring so they often do that in, in that way which I think is fascinating um, uh, apparently cemetery lunches is its own category of picnics which sounds a bit morbid to end on but picnicking by the final resting places of fam family and friends isn't just confined to one culture apparently there's lots of things oh, people yeah. do so around the globe where you've um, come together to celebrate special occasions and remember people during the Victorian era picnickers often set up to have lunch next to heads stones enjoying the cemetery as a recreational space for games and activities which i actually quite like that idea because they have a reputation of being terrifying morbid places whereas they are a place of memory and celebration so it's quite nice to think about that i see that in hong kong as well yeah, sometimes sure. when it's like the, the the grave sweeping um traditions i often see people there with the seal yolk and the tasio mm. you know the roast pork mm. and they're just picking at it with the toothpicks with their yeah, family which is delightful it I is. think it's a wonderful thing in Mexico those celebrating Deola de los Muertos lunches um, will often do so at grave sites and of course as you mentioned like the Chongyang festival as well where people are honouring their ancestors people do that too um, but apparently um, it's not particularly common in uh Western, I'm going to say Western, like Britain and the US, that's what I'm going to say is Western countries or probably Australia and New Zealand, you're probably less likely to have like a cemetery picnic. But in a lot of other cultures who have much healthier relationships with death. Um, then, Which I'm know, surprised because there's more space out there in those yes, cemeteries. I know, right? Whereas Hong Kong ones are like the, yeah, you know, yeah. what do you call Absolutely. it? The, 
for the urns only. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, yes, apparently, you know, but I do think that, like, you know, Western cultures have lots to learn from from other cultures about a healthy attitude towards death and acceptance and all those lovely things. I have two quotes to finish on so we don't end on death picnics. But the first one is um, from the wonderful poet W.H. Auden, who said, Life is a picnic on a precipice. Oh, that's just, very deep. It's really deep. Just let that sit with you. And the other one is from author Jane Wagner, who said, unless you were at a picnic, life is no picnic. <laughs> <laughs> very good, yes, Chris. Like. Um, well, we've only got a, a minute left. Are there any sort of locations here in Hong Kong that you, you like going for picnics? Oh, um, I have a few secret picnic spots. So I'm not going to give those away on air. I think... Um, Country parks are delightful, right? But I also think our beaches are lovely places for picnics. If you want a crunchy... Sort yeah, of. if you do, you want a crunch. You want a bit of extra yeah. in, in your sandwich. That's great. Go without children. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Cruz, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And I look forward to more audio columns with you in the coming weeks. Thank you yes, so much for your time. Right. And, and 